Hello, welcome to my podcast. This is a podcast about World War II. I won't be talking about well-known things like D-Day or the the Battle of the Bulge, maybe the Russian Front. Generally, I won't be talking about things like Stalingrad. No, instead I will be thinking about I will be talking about the small things, things people don't always know, such as the structure behind military units. Alright, now that we're actually going to talk about military structures for today, I will start by talking, uh, I will start by explaining. I'm going to take the British Army from World War II as an example. But many modern armies from many different nationalities, uh, the, the US Army from World War II, and other such armies from different nationalities from World War II, use generally the same structure. First, although... Uh, they were a World War One invention. Tanks really became a thing during World War Two. So first, we will be talking about tank, general tank structures for platoon. In the British Army, it's either a platoon of tanks or a troop of tanks. You would have one command's tank, which is generally commanded by a lieutenant. You would have two junior tanks, which are the, the second and third tank in a platoon. Generally, there'll be three tanks in a platoon. Until late war, Britain, the Germans had much heavier armour by, by then, and so they needed extra firepower. So they usually brought a fourth tank for extra anti-tank capabilities. That that would generally either be the Achilles tank destroyer or the Sherman Firefly, the British variant of the of the Sherman, mounted with a seventeen pounder. Now, because the Germans quickly learned that the Firefly was the thing they should take out first, the Firefly often had barrel had its longer part of the barrel camouflaged and. A second smaller muzzle brake mounted around the middle of the barrel just to camouflage. If it works, I can't exactly explain. But the platoon would be spread out. You, you wouldn't want to keep it in very close to each other because that would generally be very easy to spot, ju- just within sighting distance. That that is the explanation for, well, the tank platoon. Now I want to talk about the standard British platoon, infantry platoon. Alright, so we'll be talking from section to platoon to company. Alright, let's start with the basic section, which for US military is a squad. You would have a rifle group, which is men, which is the 
basic guys that get in stuck in get the, get their hands dirty. They will be armed with a generally a Lee Enfield rifle, a, a, some grenades, and a bayonet. Then you would have the gun group, which is which in British in the British military would be a Bren gun, a Bren light machine gun. All the, there would be one gunner and one man to carry ammo and probably a third man with a with a Enfield right Lee Enfield rifle for protection. Although the rifle group would often also carry some extra ammunition for the Bren gun, since the Bren gun would cover the rifle group while they charge at the enemy. Then a section would be commanded by a corporal, which would generally be armed with a Lee Enfield rifle, although corporals were got a Sten gun, a submachine gun, which for British military was most likely the Sten gun, since the Thompson, the American submachine gun, was too expensive for the British wartime economy. So they made a reliable uh, salvaged version, basically. But snipers really like shooting officers, and a submachine gun is something you give to an officer. So they would rather not carry one and not be targeted by snipers so much. Now, then we go to the platoon level, which is the basic military unit, which would generally have around 30 to 35 men, since that's all that one man can command, and actually command well, since these guys would not would not be stuck up all in one place. They would generally want to be spread out a little. Now, in a platoon, you have generally three sections, some four, sometimes two, would, but generally three. Then you would have an officer, generally by the rank of lieutenant, sometimes a captain, but he would be, but in American terms, a lieutenant is a lieutenant or second lieutenant. Then you would have a sergeant, which to advise the officer and the officer since the officer is less experienced than the sergeant he would often follow the sergeant's advice you would also in command group you would have a batman which is an assistant for the officer and you would have a run runner to deliver orders and know what is going on within the platoon. You would also have a weapons team, which for British standards then was a 2-inch mortar and a Piat anti-tank weapon. Then we go on to the company level. You would have three platoons within a company. The company would be led by a major generally by the rank of colonel. You would also have a sergeant major, major 
or a deputy commander. The deputy commander is generally by the rank of captain. You would also have a radio team. A radio, since modern radios are much more powerful and much more plenty than back in World War Two. Back in World War Two, you only had radios from com- company levels onwards. So platoons and sections wouldn't have any radios. Then, that is basically a company. But the major current, the, the major, would often get stuck in with the platoons. However, the sergeant major or the deputy commander wouldn't, as he had to stay behind and co- coordinate with HQ or other companies. Then, As a company, you often wouldn't take orders from someone else. You, you would take orders from your platoon commander, since you know him as the commander. If some random guy, some random bloke in a British uniform would run up to you and tell you some orders, you, wouldn't, you would generally not trust him, maybe not do it, probably. Since you do not know that man, however, your platoon commander you would know. This is the case with the Falklands War, where a, a brigade commander, which is for some people, for some people who don't know, probably most, would have a brigade, which is multiple. Divisions, I think. And. But. If the brigade commander. The brigade commander. Herbert Jones. Jones or something like that. I do not exactly remember his name. He died while running at machine gun nest. The battle was won. But. Some men in one of his companies were asked, were interviewed afterwards, and they replied quite casually, since they did not know this man very well. He wasn't the platoon commander. He was, he wasn't the company commander. He he was for, he was more high ranked, less lesser known within the troops. Who got stuck in themselves. If that company commander or platoon commander would have died, they, they would have been in a panic much more, since the platoon commander is the one who actually places the troops around. The corporal places his Breton teams and places his gun team and rifle group. But the corporal is commanded by the platoon commander, so three corporals would have to listen to the platoon commander, tell them where to go, where where to generally go, and then the corporal would have to do, would have to command where exactly they would go. But the company commander commands where the platoon commander goes, and. 
further than platoons and companies, you would need a written order since you generally wouldn't know the other man who gave you the orders or who you are giving the orders. So you wouldn't trust him. But with written orders, signed by high command, signed by, with, with coded, maybe. Maybe they are coded. So then you would know you have to do that. But that was my podcast for today. Next time I plan on talking about Allied High Command. So, the the generals or and field marshal of the Allied force, which would be the U.S. and Britain and occupied countries and the Commonwealth.